Hello and welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast of Shemaine's Model Health for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals. I am your host, I'm Shemaine Linney. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, biohacker and certified iridologist. And I am very happy to have you back with me for another episode where we get to learn all about the body and how it works. So before I go on with this week's episode, I must stress that the information in these podcasts is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please do consult with your medical doctor before you make any lifestyle changes. So this week, um, kind of a follow-up I did to a podcast last year. It seems to be becoming more and more prevalent, and I'm definitely getting approached by a lot more people looking for support in this area. So in this week's podcast, Is Fungus Making You Sick? We're going to just look a little bit more um, at the topic and what can be done. There's absolutely no harm in listening to this and the one on Candida 101 to just combine and build your knowledge so that you can understand how your body works um, in a lot more detail. So um, last week, well within the last week, I kid you not, I have met with three women that have been suffering from a whole list of health problems. Um, They had chronic fatigue, they had recurrent yeast vaginal infections, they have itchy heads, itchy ears, dandruff, they were the symptoms of an overgrowth of yeast Um, and pretty much the three of these women had such a yeast problem that I was blown away that their doctors had not diagnosed it already or given them some resolution, like all three were at their wits ends on trying to figure out what was going on. Now, all of the symptoms that I've listed, um, they can have multiple causes, but when you look at the overall picture and nutrition and past medical history, you can really tie things in. Um, We're driven back to an overgrowth of that yeast. Um, Sometimes the causes can be clear in some women and sometimes not so much. And a lot of the times we have to look at past medical issues or we might look at when something happened, I haven't been the same. So I haven't been the same since I went to Egypt or I haven't been the the same since I had a C-section or since I had this big stressful event. Um, So there can we usually can go back and kind of narrow down what the cause may have been. Um, And I'll usually converse with my clients over this and they'll agree or disagree. Um, But anyway, so there's many causes that can cause a yeast overgrowth or yeast infection. And it can be something that you wouldn't even recognize from just like being over that. Then you can pretty much leave the door open for bad yeasts and bad fungus to come in and just uh, take up residency pretty much, even the occasional parasites. Um, So when good bugs, for instance, are killed by antibiotics, and I've spoke a lot about antibiotics before and did whole podcasts on them, so antibiotics are non 
discriminative. They just will kill everything in sight when it comes to um, bacteria. So not just the bad, but also the good. Um, and when that happens, you're pretty much, you're, you're cleaning house pretty much. So if you think of your gut as this neighborhood for all the good and bad bacteria, and they all have their little houses, and we're supposed you pretty much nuke the whole lot. So everyone has to move out of their house. Now you have all these empty houses. And when you have all these empty houses, you leave the neighborhood open for these opportunistic yeasts to move into these houses and take over. Um, and that's where you can see antibiotics followed by yeast infections. Um, then as well, if you're not supporting your gut bugs enough with the right foods, the right fibers, the right probiotic or prebiotics, modbiotics, um, and then you're fueling the bad bugs with too much sugar, you're pretty much messing around with stuff. Um, and again, it just leaves gaps, it leaves openings for the yeast uh, and other noxious agents to come in and take over. So yeast infections, um, they can be caused by many different things. Um, in today's podcast, we're going to look at why yeast overgrowth is so common, um, how medicine tends to look at it, and hopefully provide you with a comprehensive plan to start fighting off the yeast um, and oh, rebalance your guts delicate ecosystem so um yeast is very or yeast overgrowth is very common uh, many people don't know they have it i mean we all carry yeast all of us do it's supposed to be there it's part of our ecosystem it's when it gets out of control that's where we see a problem but many people don't know that they have an overgrowth because when they go to their conventional doctors they tend to ignore it they don't look at the whole symptom picture um, which is unfortunate and when we look at testing for yeast a, a conventional doctor can do a test um, and diagnose that a yeast problem is not there but that doesn't mean that we should completely rule out the yeast problem is not there because the yeast can show itself anywhere in the body. Um, it, I had a client who had a yeast overgrowth in her blood, then one witted on her head, then of course we get the trush in the mouth. So it can hide in all these different places and the test may not necessarily show it, but that doesn't mean that you haven't got it. Um, so when we look at the conventional medicine, they, they do learn about fungal and yeast problems, but in a very limited way. That's why I, I like functional health practitioners a lot more because they can look at the bigger picture. Um, but your conventional doctors, they'll know that, say, AIDS patients have generally severe yeast and fungal infections and they need long-term antifungal treatments. Um, people with diabetes tend to grow yeast because of that blood sugar insulin imbalance and yeast does thrive on sugar. Babies, of course, get thrush um, when they're born and they need the antifungal treatment and women we can get uh, that vaginal yeast overgrowth as well and all of these 
are well accepted and treatable problems, but unfortunately there's more subtle problems related to yeast that are usually ignored and not linked to someone's complaints. So when we look at conventional medicine, and I do not have anything against conventional medicine, I believe it does have its place, everything has its place um, at the right time and used in the right way. Um, But we want to make sure that we're diagnosing issues properly and then going for a holistic approach. So that's where, again, functional health practitioners, holistic medical practitioners, they can take that full look at it. Okay. So although there's still a lot of research to be done on yeast overgrowths, we do know quite a lot at this stage. We know that yeast overgrowths can be triggered by a number of things, high sugar diets, uh, sedentary lifestyle, high fat as in toxic trans fats, low fiber, impaired immunity, use of drugs, antibiotics, birth control, um, hormonal replacements, estrogen, steroids, prednisone, and then of course the big stress and sleep issues that a lot of people experience. Um, So a lot of those can be triggers or driving factors to allowing this overgrowth can happen. And although symptoms of yeast overgrowth are similar to those of many other conditions, You may still have a yeast problem if you have some of these symptoms. So let's go through the list. So I've already mentioned some, but generally we're looking at chronic fatigue, like really, really bad fatigue, Um, especially in the muscles, like the muscles just tire out really quick and you'll feel that lactic acid buildup happen really quick in the muscles. So one example I use is with the clients is, do you find you get a build of lactic acid when you're walking up the stairs in your quads? And um, if they say yes, like, well, combine that with the other symptoms and it's generally a candida overgrowth there. But so we've got that chronic fatigue and loss of energy obviously goes hand in hand there the general malaise too so that can be not just with your physical energy but your mindset like oh I can't be bothered or you just don't have the get up and go and you want to go to the gym but you just can't get yourself there um decreased libido is another one and then you've got those physical symptoms you've got the thrush You've got the bloating and gas, intestinal cramps, as gross as this is, the rectal itching, um, issues with bowel function like diarrhea or constipation. Um, Then you've got the vaginal yeast infections, frequent bladder infections, irritable bladder, um, menstrual irregularities, which is something that not many people will associate with a yeast infection, but candida does thrive on estrogen. So having excess estrogen in your body is going to drive up the chances of having a candida overgrowth. So menstrual issues, we look at pain, clotting, bleeding, stuff like that. Stuff that can be a sign that you have that excess estrogen. Um, PMS, thyroid dysfunction is connected to candida. Um, Back to those 
that general malaise. We can look at more mental associated issues like depression, irritability, anxiety, that inability to focus or gather your thoughts, which is connected with a stage two adrenal fatigue, where you have so much thoughts and so much noise in your head, but you can't narrow it down you can't just focus on one thing so that issue with brain fog and concentration um, is has a big association to candida believe it or not then you've got your immune issues allergies uh, sensitivities to certain foods and chemicals low immune function so you probably pick up every bug that's going around all the time so constantly just not feeling good um, and then when we look at past history there's a lot to look at there chronic yeast infections um if you go way back did your mom maybe have some infections or yeast infection when she was pregnant on you on when you were born um birth control usage other steroid hormone usage um so you can look straight back to did you have eczema or psoriasis when you were a little kid did you have sensitivities to food have you always had good issues um and all that you can look at to try and go back to where the issue stemmed from and then um other associated symptoms with candida which nearly everyone has but there isn't a big association with yeast overgrowth and craving for carbs breads pizzas sugars um chocolate not so much i don't see with candida i see more of the yeasty foods believe it or not so the breads and the pastries um fresh rolls i'm sure some of you are drooling right now um and then also when you look at the hands or the toenails toenail fungus or brittle nails stuff like that as well can be a symptom of candida and there's many tests that can be used to diagnose yeast um, problems it doesn't mean they're definitive, but they can be very useful. You're looking at blood tests, urine tests, um, poop tests, and then, of course, the notorious at-home spit test, which can, and, which can and cannot be very definitive. Um, but it's, it's, it's a tool. Um, so when we look at blood antibody levels for yeast, um, they generally look at metabolites and that can be helpful if they come out positive um but you don't again you don't want to completely rule out yeast if they come out negative so uh, the best method for a diagnosis is looking at that full symptom picture uh history so your antibiotic yeast um antibiotic use um childhood medical history and then again your full symptom history right now so most functional health practitioners will recommend a systemic or systematic approach to yeast overgrowth um, which will usually look at the nutritional aspect some will look at external um, stressors like chemicals and then they'll look at antifungal whether they're going to be prescribed or a more natural antifungal but when we look at overcoming yeast overgrowth um first off we want to address predisposing factors don't take antibiotics steroids or hormones unless absolutely necessary um 
lean more towards a diet that doesn't feed yeast in the gut. So you want to avoid those high sugar, refined, simple carbs. Um, do watch for some fermented foods, but generally it's not usually a big, big problem. Use probiotics to repopulate the gut as needed a lot of people just go to town on probiotics without understanding what actually happens so some probiotics as well are transient so they'll just pass through you in a couple of days they won't hang around and then some are colonizing and it will say it on the bulb there but you should understand how you're using the probiotics as well so probiotics are for the bacteria um, not necessarily for yeasts. Antifungal herbs and medications can be used directly for yeasts that won't affect the bacteria, but some herbs are antifungal and antibacterial. So you have to be careful there with what types of herbs you're taking and how you're supporting the gut as you're taking them. Um, do you identify potential environmental factors like a mold overgrowth in your home or in your workplace or dampness in the house, um, toxic overload in your home, stuff like that? Of course, do try to reduce stress. So stress is going to be a big one because when stress hits and say one does go into a state of adrenal exhaustion or adrenal fatigue, what happens there? We get all that nutrient and mineral depletion. We get a big hit on our immune system. So we're weakened there. If we're not supporting all those avenues, so our nutrients, minerals, what the immune system needs, we're not going to be sorting or supporting the gut bacteria properly. And then they start to get weak and die off. And that leaves that opening for the yeast to take over. So when you look at a yeast control eating program, a lot of the time people will just focus on avoiding those simple refined sugars. Um, there are a few protocols that recommend avoiding just all white foods as well, which can be a bit hit and miss because coconut is white, but coconut has antiviral and antifungal properties, especially the caprylic acid that's found in coconut. So uh, there are some considerations to be taken in um, but usually you can do some sort of an elimination diet and then slowly start to reintroduce foods um, and remember to track that reintroduction and see where you're getting symptoms or having issues um, if you do reintroduction of simple carbs or foods that you had been avoiding and there's no issues then maybe yeast wasn't your problem in the first place maybe it was something else but eliminate those yeast promoting foods pretty much the foods that yeast thrive on you're looking at more your simple sugars um, some dairies like lactase are going to be feeding those candida as well you don't want to eliminate all sugars because we like to use some mod biotic foods so those foods that are very high in flavonoids and polyphenols that actually can kill off yeasts and help regulate or modulate the microbiome 
so that balance of the good and bad bacteria and the yeasts so some foods um, we like to keep in that have that little amount of sugar and got the beneficial poisonous polyphenols at the same time you're looking at your blueberries pomegranates amazing um, you look at raspberries grapes with the skin on you want to be eating the seeds vinegars are great uh, extra virgin olive oil a really good dark chocolate so there there is a lot of foods there not to just ramble on when you do the elimination or you're doing some sort of an elimination diet do try to be as strict as possible during this time to get the best results and try narrow down exactly what's going on if you're not totally strict you're going to be going around in circles you're going to say well i half-assed did that elimination diet so i'm going to try it again like a few months later you half-assed do that and you never get the results you should or the answers that you should so you just going around and circles and and then you're saying it didn't work or nothing works so try be as strict as you can keep a food diary or a tracking system track what you're eating so important what you're drinking what you're supplementing with these are very very important um, you should try to vary your meals if you can um, make sure you're not eating a lot of any one food so what that means is don't overdo it on certain foods like if you eat too much avocado you're going to give yourself an avocado intolerance so try not eat the same meal across the day every day so let's just say eggs and bacon for breakfast lunch dinner every day of the week um while on that topic eggs can be a big issue for people with candida especially eggs that are not organic or pasture raised but too much eggs can drive up that immune response um, making the candida even more um, what's the word I'm looking for from five to three weeks to four weeks so that's going to be up to you on what you're willing to try um, then after the elimination diet you're going to start to slowly implement foods that you had been avoiding and monitor your reaction so again you're tracking everything if you get a recurrence of symptoms you've identified your problem again if not that specific food may not be a problem or overall yeast may not be a problem um, you also have to remember that sometimes a dietary change may not reduce the yeast overgrowth enough to resolve your symptoms and a lot of the times this is the case and you need to then look at what's the next steps do i look at medication or do i look at non-prescription more natural treatments um so if you do feel great off those yeast feeding foods you might not want to do um it full term it's nice to have that bit of um hormesis kick in where you might have a little bit of yeast yeasty foods once in a while to stimulate the immune system but not too much because um, if you do follow um, a strict elimination diet for too long it could actually work against you and make you feel ill and then your immune cells or your t fighter cells may not be able to detect when there is an issue um, but you can continue to follow a yeast controlled eating program for at least three months and then add in a little bit of hormesis here and there as well 
there is additional stuff you can do. Uh, when we look at more natural stuff, you can look at probiotics again, but that's going to be helping modulate the gut bacteria. You also have to look at the yeast. Um, but probiotics, if you take enough of them while doing a yeast elimination diet, and a few other herbs, um, you may be able to overwhelm the yeast and force the yeast out. Um, I do like the yeast, the use of a good yeast. So there's a lot of studies on Saccharomyces boulardii. So they're a good yeast. And we, if we supplement with them enough, what we can do is we can force the bad yeast out. So those bad yeast that have moved into the neighborhood. So the good yeast, the Saccharomyces boulardii, they come in like vigilantes. They force the bad yeast out of the houses and they move in instead. Um, they can be very safe and effective in controlling yeast. There's a lot, a lot of studies on the benefits of Saccharomyces boulardii but you want to use that in conjunction with a good nutritional protocol too because honestly if you're going to continue um, eating and drinking junk food the you're just throwing away money taking Saccharomyces boulardii because they're not going to be able to do their job effectively and you can look at other non-prescriptive antifungals. Um, there's some herbs and spices that can be used. Uh, oregano, which is great. So it has antibacterial and antifungal properties. So because it has the antibacterial properties as well, you've got to watch that one. So you will kill off the yeast, but some of the bacteria as well. So you've got to support the bacteria while you're taking the oregano. Um, so we look at your prebiotic foods and modbiotic here can be very helpful and that's where a probiotic can be helpful while taking the oil of oregano. Uh, garlic is great you can get um, a high potency extract of garlic or you can just use fresh garlic and add it into every meal you might stink but at least you won't have yeast overgrowth. Um, you can use citrus seed extracts. Um, pomegranate seeds are awesome here as well. Berberine being one of my favorite supplements for so many things but berberine uh, can be very effective at supporting the gut but also killing off overgrowths of bacteria and yeast as well as well as helping you metabolize any sugars you do consume so if you metabolize sugars that you do consume you're metabolizing them before the yeast can eat on them so berberine is one of my favorite supplements um, you can also get other stringent compounds like tannins. So tannins are found in teas, they're found in uh, red wine, they're found in the pulp of pomegranate. That's why when I'm having my pomegranate, I like to add in a bit of pulp so you get that really astringent taste, but you know it's super good for you and super good for your um, gut as well. You can get, um, there's a Chinese herb called... Isatis tinctoria, um, and that can be useful along with a good eating protocol in treating intestinal imbalances. And then another big one for, well, two more big ones with a lot of studies on them for treating and killing off candida overgrowth. One is going to be caprylic acid, like I mentioned earlier, found and derived from coconuts. Uh, when you take it in pill form, though, you've got that very um, potent form 
of the compounds so you can get that and take that across a month or two which has been shown to be very very effective um, and also there are some studies on vitamin a and its association with candida overgrowths as well so there was a study done on patients when they were treated with high dose vitamin a um, i believe it was two to three thousand milligrams three times a day or something so it was a lot they saw the die-off and decline of candida with that vitamin a supplementation so that's something to take into consideration are you getting enough vitamin a in your diet do you have a vitamin a deficiency um all these things are important and then you can go the more medical route if you absolutely need to with antifungal medications because sometimes nutrition and supplements aren't enough to clear up stubborn yeast overgrowths uh, so this is where prescription medications can help um, and they're often needed to treat more resistant cases of yeast for either short or long term when you're doing stuff like this you can also still combine some of the other recommendations and of course your really good nutritional protocol so you can do uh some of the more common ones one of the most common ones would be diflucan you can do diflucan in combination with say some caprylic acid um, some oregano and a good nutritional template um, but nystatin is probably one of the most common antifungal drugs and it's often used to treat thrush in babies and that is not absorbed by the intestinal tract and has no systemic effects but a lot of fungal organisms nowadays you've heard of these superbugs well we get the super fungal organisms they're resistant to nystatin so you may need something else as well um Antifungals can have an interaction with other medications. So do be sure to run that by your medical practitioner before you take anything. Um, people with liver or heart diseases can often not take antifungal um, drugs either. If you have a liver issue you want and you're taking an antifungal like diflucan or lamacil or sporinox or something like that you should be getting your liver checked every six to eight weeks um, if you're doing a lot of these because they can have an effect on the liver um, so there's a lot there i mean killing off yeast bad yeast is obviously going to be a good thing uh, you should be aware that in some people um, they'll go through a die-off phase or a die-off reaction where you it also known as the high heimlich's reaction uh where you you can feel better before you or worse before you get better so you can get a lot more symptoms a lot worse before you actually get better so if this happens don't give up just yet just go the full cycle and hopefully you'll see um resolution over the weeks you can also minimize effects of die-off through that good nutritional protocol but also something that i like to use a lot and you may have heard me talk about it a lot is using activated charcoal so if you're having this die-off and you're doing a lot of this elimination you can use activated charcoal capsules a couple of times across the day 
and they can bind to the dead yeast and the toxins and help you eliminate them. You can also use like a, folu a soluble fiber supplement. Uh, you can look at guar gum, psyllium seed or pectin to bind to yeast toxins and you would take them before bed so that when you do are asleep and that die off is happening they're going to bind and then you'll hopefully have a good bell movement the next morning and eliminate all of that stuff so this podcast is a lot in it about yeast um hopefully you found it helpful like i said at the beginning you can go back and listen to my podcast candida 101 combine all this information give it a go um don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask me any questions uh you can reach out to me on facebook and shemaine's model health you can email me through my website so shemaine'smodelhealth.com um but i wish you all the best of luck if you're going down the road of trying to overcome candida and do that big kill off spree i wish you the best of luck use the tools that are here and remember stick with it you could feel worse before you get better but just stick with it um, and hopefully you'll see some resolve really soon okay have a great week please do share with anyone you feel may benefit and i will chat to you guys soon bye bye